uh, there was uh, uh, obviously neither one of them had the gift of uh, service, right, uh, as they sort of prayed for this man and sent him on his way. So anyway, Lord Jesus, speak by your Holy Spirit through your word in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a Bible with you or your um, uh, electronic device, you can go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Um, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, as each one, everybody say, each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me read it again. Um, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God gives, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. And everybody say, Amen. Now, all right, so there's a couple key things there that you might want to make note of. First of all, it says, as each one, that is everyone, and Peter is writing to a church that's been scattered throughout Asia Minor because of persecution, and he says to each one. So one of the things that we've been talking about regarding spiritual gifts is everybody has at least one. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift. As each one has received a spiritual gift, employ it. So what are the purposes of the gift? Well, they're multifaceted. One of them is serving one another. Gift identification, gift development. That's really important to us that everybody understands you have a spiritual gift and that we're to use that gift to serve one another. All right. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so as you serve in the gift that God has given you, you are um being a manager, a steward, that's what that word is, of the grace, the manifold grace of God. So God's grace is multifaceted like a diamond. If you were here Sunday, it's got many intricate, beautiful facets to it. That's God's grace. And one of the ways that you are a good manager of the grace of God given to you is by serving in that special gift and serving one another. And so he says, if you have the ability to speak, Speak as one who is speaking, and one translation says the oracles of God, okay? And he says, whoever serves, let him do it by the strength that God gives. And so the gifts are not something that you do on your own. It's something that you do, but God works through you to do those things, all right, which God supplies. So that, and here's the reason for the gifts. It's not for us and for our glory, and so we can kind of be, yeah, I've got this gift, or I've got that gift, or, yeah, I'm better than you, or this gift is more important than the other. No, it is all being a manager or a steward of what God has given us, just like everything we have, we're to be stewards of, right? We're to be stewards of our time. We're to be stewards of our talent, stewards of our money, and stewards of the gift that God has given us of the, uh, as a response to the grace of God. And so he says, we do all of this. Why? So that in... Now, this is just an amazing... Peter just breaks this down so cool. He says, so that God may be glorified. So when you're using your gift in the church, you're glorifying God. 
Oh, man, you're stacking chairs. You're glorifying God. Oh, you're cleaning the windows or you're, you know, cleaning up a restroom or you're speaking the word or you're greeting people or you're hauling the signs in from the street and bringing them back in or you're in the sound booth or you are singing on Sunday or you are whatever it is. You're bringing glory to God through Jesus Christ to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Okay? So that's the purpose of the gifts. And so 1 Corinthians twelve seven, which we just happen to be in 1 Corinthians, says, But to each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To, everybody say, each one. That would be everyone is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 14, 12 says, So you also, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church or the building up of the church. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six says, What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for, and the word is edification. For the building up of the body. That's what, it's, that's what the purpose is. All right, now, there are those people who say, well, as we read the New Testament, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. They, 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 when the apostles, uh, John the apostle died at Patmos, the spiritual gifts came to an end. Now, they'll be honest and say God can still heal, but the, the, the miraculous signs of the New Testament, we don't see those anymore. Wow, too bad. Because I have a couple questions regarding that. When did the apostolic age end? Did it end with John? Uh, I don't know. Okay, 1 Corinthians um, uh, 1, verse 4 through 7 says this. I think, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. This is to the church in Corinth. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus through him, God has enriched your church in every way. Through whom? Through Jesus. God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all your knowledge. This confirms that what I told you about Christ. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Verse seven. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly await for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let me read that again to you. That last part. Verse seven. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you wait, eagerly wait for the return of of the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question is, if Paul said to the church at Corinth, you have every spiritual gift you need until the return of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, why would we not have spiritual gifts? Okay? These continue right up to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will not be withdrawn from the church, but they will be increased in the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 says this, And in the last days it will be, God says, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all people or all flesh, and your sons and daughters will what? Prophesy. Your uh, young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, because old men are sleeping, the young men still got good eyes. That's why that like that. Yeah, well, um, hey, yes, sir. Verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What are those days? Those days are the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and the coming of the Lord too. The coming of the Lord Jesus um, 
when he returns a second time. But here's the other thing is that if the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer in operation, do you believe that the power of Satan has increased or decreased? Read the newspaper. It has increased. And if the power of Satan has increased, would we not need the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well? In fact, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, but the Spirit explicitly says in later times, some will fall away paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. How much more do we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit when, when, when this, this wave of, of demonic activity and whatnot happens? Okay? Now, if we, if we could, if I could get someone to read, uh, chapter 12 in 1 Corinthians, verse 28 through 31. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 28 through 31. Chapter 12. Oh, thank you, Miss Melba. Appreciate it. Okay, so um, the question is a rhetorical question. And what that means is it, it, it's an obvious answer, are all prophets? Well, the answer is no. Okay, are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. So um, uh, no one believer has all the gifts. Because if, if every believer had all the gifts, then where would the, uh, the, the diversity of gifts be? Where would the Holy Spirit working in individual and different ways, where would that all be? No. Now, does that mean that I may not have the gift of, of, of healing, but can I pray for someone and see them healed? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I may not always have the gift of faith, but do I have the gift of faith sometimes? I do. I mean, I don't have the, the gift of faith per se, but I have at times God speaks through me and moves through me in faith, right? Okay. So not, but not every believer, not every believer has, no, no one believer has all the gifts. You know, that would, you know, Jesus Christ operated in that capacity. I mean, right. But uh, as far as us, no. Okay. So back in chapter 12, verse four through 11, and we skipped this last week. Um, we want to uh, talk about some different gifts and um, chapter 12, verse four says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And the key word is, is same and same and same. Three times that word is used. But verse 7, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Everybody say each one. Why? For the profit of all. For the one uh, is given a word, the word of wisdom. How? What does it say? Through the Spirit. To another is given the word of knowledge. Through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, you get it, by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. 
to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit. There's that same spirit. There's that. It's all about the unity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but one, one and the same spirit works all these things. The Holy Spirit does. Works it all together. Why? Distributing to each one individually as he wills. Okay? Spirit of the Lord working it together. Now, William Kimball uh, <coughs> categorizes the nine gifts into three different categories. And that's what we're going to look at. We'll look at the first three tonight. First is the revelation gifts or the, or the thought realm. The gifts, we'll call it the thought realm gifts, the revelation gifts. Faith, um, uh, wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Wisdom, knowledge, and discerning of spirits. After that is the supernatural realm or the, uh, or the action realm. And that's faith, healings, and miracles. And the third is the inspiration realm, which is the vocal or speech. And that's uh, different kinds of tongues, uh, interpretation, and prophecy. And there's other gifts that we'll look at as well. So this is not the entire list, but we will get to it. Um, oftentimes, there is an emphasis on the inspirational gifts um, or, or, the, or the supernatural, uh, you know, faith, healings, miracles, uh, Tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and there's sometimes we can we can grade one gift above another, or we can say, "Oh man, this that was amazing, man! What God did." Be, but if that gift doesn't happen, we walk away thinking, "Oh boy, nothing really happened at church today because this gift wasn't operating or that gift wasn't happening." But I tell you, when it comes to the gifts, you know, you could be in a counseling session with someone, and God will give you a word of wisdom, you know, like because you know, some, there, I got to tell you, there are many times that that. That people come to me, I have no idea. I have no clue. And I'm, and I'm like, wow, man, man, that's hard, man. Wow, I have no idea. And when that happens, I say, man, let's pray. And there have been a number of times when I just had nothing. And we began to pray, and God began to give me wisdom. And I'm like, whoa, man, thank you, Lord. I know that wasn't for me. Or you're in a counseling session with someone, and God gives you a word of knowledge, which we'll talk about tonight about some situation. And you could spend hours counseling someone, but sometimes God just tells you something supernaturally that could t change that whole situation right there. There was a couple years ago that came to me for uh, uh, marriage counseling. I thought it was kind of weird. I just kind of thought, y'all get, get married? Okay. I, you know, whatever. You know, we all got our own walk, and I'm just, I don't know. Something just didn't sit right. And so we started going through the process and talking about it and this, that, and the other. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Not audibly, but in my heart, and says, "Ask them if they're sleeping together." I mean, you know, I said, "Are you?" Got and they were like, "Not." They were church people, you know. I go, "Are y'all sleeping together?" They go, they look at one another, you know. I already knew the answer when when that happens. <laughs> yes, I said, "Oh, okay. Well, then we can we can change our whole a whole counseling thing. Let's put all this marriage stuff to the side and talk about that, you know." And they ended up not getting married, praise God, because I think it was a, a train wreck uh, in, in the making. Okay? Okay, so the revelation or the thought realm. The revelation, this is so cool when this works, you know, like, like the way that it's supposed to work. By the way, this is not something that you conjure up or that it's a good guess, okay, or something that you, this is something that is, keep in mind, this is supernatural. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay, that means it's not natural. There are a lot of people that are wise people. There are a lot of people that have a, a lot of knowledge, but that doesn't mean that their wisdom or their knowledge is supernatural. 
they may have a natural bent towards that. A lot of smart people have that, but doesn't mean that it's supernatural. So everybody say wisdom. Man, who doesn't need more wisdom, right? The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom. I need wisdom. It's, it's when you think of wisdom in the biblical sense and in the spiritual gift, think of how to. Uh, how to. Knowledge is what? Wisdom is how to. It's the quickening, the illumination, the impartation of divine inspiration. It's to speak with divine insight, to see, to understand, to respond to life's circumstances from God's framework or God's reference. Uh, inspiration that's given to us to show us how to act. It's the ability to take um, possessed knowledge and make it practical. Okay? How, how, how something, it's how to, right? Um, knowledge is what? Wisdom is how to. See, I go to my mechanic and I pay him for, I don't necessarily pay him for what because I oftentimes I know what. I went to my mechanic the other day, and uh, I know that my car has 89,000 miles on it, and I, you know, thanks to the Internet, I know I need a new timing belt. At, at 90,000 miles, I need a new timing belt because you do not want to be on the road and have your timing belt snap. That's a bad day at the office right there. Okay? And so uh, that's the what. I already knew that. But, uh, but the how-to you know, when, <laughs> when he said, oh, yeah, you need a new timing belt. I said, I know I need a timing belt. Now, what I'm paying you for is the how-to because ain't that many YouTube videos in the world to get me to change my timing belt. <laughs> There's a lot of things I look up on, on YouTube and show me how to do stuff mechanic-wise. You know, I look at it and I've, I've done some things on YouTube, but changing my timing belt, man, brother, I'm paying you whatever you say it costs. See, he gets paid for his how-to. Does that make sense? <laughs> That man got wisdom. He got wisdom, right? Okay. So um, King Solomon uh, in the Old Testament was given a blank check by God. Uh, uh, he, God said, ask me what you want, whatever it is, and I'll give it to you. He was a young man. Imagine that. And he said, Lord, you've made me king over these people. I don't even know how to do this. Give me what he asked for. Give me wisdom. And like the Lord said, you know what? Because you didn't ask for riches or fame, I'm going to give you more riches and more fame than anyone ever, ever, ever was, ever will be. Okay? I mean, I mean, I, I mean, you can't even, you can't even calculate his net worth. I mean, like if, if there was Forbes magazine, Solomon would be on the front cover every year as the richest man in the world. I mean, not, it wouldn't even be close. Okay? You know, there he is again. Let me guess. Solomon. Hey, you know. Um, uh, but not only that, he got wisdom. And there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 3 about the wisdom that he had. Remember, wisdom is how to, right? So two women who were prostitutes came before the king. It's 1 Kings 3, verse 16 through 28. And one of the women said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a child. Uh, while she was in the house, it happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman gave birth to a child, and we were together, no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. And verse 19 says, this woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. A tragic situation. So she arose in the middle of the night, took my son from beside me, 
while your maidservant slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead son in my bosom. Now, apparently, these kids looked alike. One like one of them was a little chocolate, one was a little bit lighter. You know, I thought they must have had some similarities. You know, they must have. <laughs> like, hey, my kid, look at that hair. No, I, I don't know. I think about those things. So when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But then I looked at him carefully. Mama knows her baby. Even after a few days. <laughs> that ain't my child. I looked at him carefully in the morning. Behold, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, for the living son, the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, no, for the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. And they spoke before the king. What? Right now it says. The king said one says, you know, explains and the other says, no. OK, verse 24. The king said, give me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, divide the child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. (laughs) They're like, what? Verse 26, then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, he shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him up. Man, what's wrong with her? Anyway, verse 27, the king said, give the woman, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. And everybody had chicken skin after King Solomon said that. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king handed down, they feared the king for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Where'd that wisdom come from? From God. It was supernatural. That wasn't a good guess. God gave him that. See, that's, that's, that's a gift of wisdom. Um, however, Solomon's wisdom shows us that even if we're operating in the gifting of God, we must always be surrendered to God. Because all the wisdom in the world will not keep you from sin if you're not surrendered. And at the end of his life, he walked away from the Lord. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And they lured his heart away from God. The wisest man who ever lived was taken down by women. But it really wasn't that. It was because he wasn't continually surrendering to the Lord. Continually. We learned that lesson. Acts chapter 23 is another good example of of wisdom. Uh, Acts chapter 23, verse 6, it says this, but perceiving that one, this is Paul, he's about, he's in, he's in deep kimchi. Paul is is about to get beat up and ripped from limb, limb from limb. Because, you know, Paul would go in a city and stir it up. And he wasn't trying to stir it up. He was just preaching the truth. And, you know, sometimes when you preach the truth, people don't want to hear it. <laughs> they didn't want to hear it. And uh, there, there's a mob scene, and he's about to get ripped up. Anyway, it says, as he's speaking before these two groups of people, you have the Sadducees and you have the Pharisees. And Paul is speaking to them. They're uh, not happy with him, and there's an angry mob outside, and the Romans are trying to keep him protected. So it's a chaotic scene. But it says, perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other were Pharisees, Paul began crying out to the council, brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. 
I am on trial for the hope of the resurrection of the dead. As he said this, there occurred a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there's no resurrection, nor an angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. And there occurred a great uproar, and some of the scribes of the Pharisaic party stood up and began to argue heatedly, saying, We find nothing wrong with this man. Suppose a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, and there was a great dissension, and as a great dissension was developing, the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him back to the barracks. Verse 11 says, But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage. For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause in Jerusalem, so now you must witness in Rome also. So what did Paul do? He, he, he utilized wisdom when he looked and he saw, oh, Pharisees and Sadducees. And so he asked a question. He made a statement about the resurrection. And the Pharisees were like, yeah, man, this, what's wrong with this guy? We, we, we like what he's saying. And the Sadducees got also, rather than directing all of their anger at him, they then directed it at one another. <laughs> And the Romans came and got Paul, and off he went. They probably didn't even realize he was gone because they were so mad at each other, okay? Um, <clears throat> many times the gift of wisdom is being used, but it's not really realized. Uh, and remember, we're not talking about someone who's just wise. We're talking about supernatural wisdom, okay? That's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So another one is knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. Supernatural revelation of some detail, uh, some fact, uh, something that is humanly impossible to know, okay? Uh, it's a divine awareness of situations or events or circumstances. Um, uh, it's the ability to know something about someone or some situation that only God knows. And when you get around people that have that gift, it's a little bit freaky, you know, because they look at you. Hey, man, and they say things like this. Mind if I pray for you? And at first you want to go, no. <laughs> no. Why? Okay. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. It says, but a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property um, and kept back some of the price for himself. And his wife's full knowledge in bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. So what people were doing is they were selling property and selling stuff, and they were bringing it to the apostles, and they were saying, here, use it for the work of the ministry. So these people were doing that as well. Nothing wrong with that, right? That doesn't, that's a nice gesture. Um, remember, they sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. So they brought it laid it at the apostles' feet. And verse 3 says, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under, not, not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to men but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. How did uh, Paul the Apostle, uh, Peter, how did Peter know that? See, they, had, they, were, they were coming in 
and, 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 and acting like they had given it all. But they hadn't. They, they kept some back. And, and Peter's like, what? Uh-uh. And he got a supernatural word of knowledge from God. And they were like, say what? Boom. Down he went. Boy, wouldn't that change how offerings go in the church? Or it could be like Nikki Cruz, if you ever read the story, um, Crossing the Switchblade, how he got born again. He was in a, a gang called the Mau Mau's in New York. David Wilkerson did an outreach and told the Mau Mau's to take the offering. <laughs> They're like, what? You want us to take the offering? And he says that he, he says, oh, I know. He's thinking we're going to steal it all. We'll show him we're not going to steal any of it. Remember that? So he's got the Mau Mau's handing out the basket or whatever, and people aren't given. And Nikki Cruz is like, you need to put a little more in the basket, man. He's like, man, you put nothing. You, you, uh, people. It's not the way to take an offering either, but it was effective. I don't know. I love that story. Love that man. All right. A, uh, a word of knowledge. Um, incidentally, let me just say that regarding each of these, wisdom and knowledge and the discerning of spirits, you always have to take it back to the Word of God. You have to take it back to the Word of God. Because there are uh, one particular church in town, no longer are they in their building. They lost their building. And you know what? They're a cult. And this particular pastor supposedly operated in words of knowledge. And he was a false prophet and words of wisdom. And people were not taking what he said back to the word of God. And we prayed for that church. It's really not a church. It's a cult. We prayed for that place to be shut down. And about four, four months ago, it was shut down. And I drove right by it. I couldn't believe it. You could tell. The grounds was all messed up. You know, trees were dying. I drove by and went, what? Gone. I'm like, praise God. And then I went to, I went to, um, to a market, to meet uh, Whole Foods Market, meet some people there. And I'm having a conversation with a gal. And she has a cross, a little earring. Actually, it was a nose ring. And we're just talking. I say, hey, I see you got a little cross nose ring. That's kind of cool. Are you Christian? Blah, blah, blah. And we start talking. And she talks about, yeah, yeah, you know. I'm thinking, okay, cool. I go, well, you go to church? Where do you go to church? She goes, well, I go to. And she mentions the name of the church that I just drove by. That was a divine appointment. I go, really? I go, what happened? Because I already know what happened. I know what happened. And I was able to share a little bit of wisdom. You know what? I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to call your church a cult, which it is. But take it to the, whatever that man says, take it to the word. I didn't want to tell her he's a false prophet, but he is. And you have to ask yourself a question. Why is that? Why did that happen? Why is that stuff just all messed up over there? Anyway. Distinguishing spirits, distinguishing of spirits, okay? Um, this the ability, it, it's a, 
a, a divine empowerment or ability to perceive the spiritual source behind a word or a motive or an attitude or an action uh, in, a, in, a, in, some situ- in some environment, maybe in a church, maybe in an individual. Someone says, oh, brother, I'm a prophet. And God says, you go, mm, man, you know what? I don't know, man. <laughs> um, uh, mm. You know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know they're popular and they have a large following, but I'm just not sure about what. Uh, not trying to judge, you know. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not tracking with that, man. I'm not tracking, right? Yeah, discerning of spirits. You're able to discern what's really behind the scenes. And a lot of people will say, oh, man, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. And you go, mm, why? No, no, no. By the way, ladies, this is not women's intuition. Oh, all women have that. Well, okay, y'all have some intuition. I'll give you that. Uh, my wife has women's intuition. She'll say things like, you think we should do this? And I really don't think we should, but I do it because she said it. Well, I think we need to bring this. Let's bring it. Well, what do you think? No matter what I think, because if we, if we don't bring it and we need it, you're going to say, you should have brought it, so I'm going with your intuition. Let's bring it. <laughs> I'm a good husband. Happy wife, happy life. Your mom ain't happy, ain't nobody. Anyway, distinguishing of spirits, okay? 1 John 4, 1 and 2. John says, dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Can you say amen to that? Don't, don't be foolish. Don't get caught up in all the hype. Don't get lost in the size of someone's following or even the size of their ministry. You know, size of ministry doesn't don't always mean it's from the Lord. I mean, you can have, you can have, you can have a church of, of thousands and thousands and still not be right. Because people don't what? They don't test the word. They don't, they don't discern the spirit. They don't ask the tough questions, but I mean, wow, you got today. We already know deception is one of the big end time tools of the enemy. We already know that. And so we have to be more discerning now than we've ever been. We need the gift of discernment now more than ever. Okay. So, dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak. Oh, the Holy Spirit told me. "Mm, Okay. Wait wait a minute. That goes against the word of God. Time out. Uh, No. No. That goes against the Word of God. No. Holy Spirit's not going to tell you something that goes against the Word of God. No. Well, I mean, it's not in the Word, but it's like, oh, 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 hang on. What do you mean it's not in the Word? <laughs> when, you, uh, when you clarify, when you tell me something and you clarify by saying it's not in the Word of God, that makes me question if it's right. Now, there are things that aren't in the Word of God, but I'm talking about someone who says, I'm speaking by the Spirit. I was like, where is that in Scripture? I don't, uh, I don't know, okay? So don't believe everyone. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. Test them. What do you think about what Omi said? I don't know. What do you think about that? What do you think about this new movement in the church that's gathering this big following? Well, what do you think about that? Is that the Holy Spirit? It's not in the Bible, but, you know, I mean. Uh, mm. Test it. See if it comes from God. 
And, and here's why. There's many false prophets in the world. You know what? That's true today. There's many false prophets in the world. Uh, it's not the gift of suspicion. It's not a hunch. You might call it your gut feel, but, you know, my gut feel isn't always right. Sometimes my gut is the Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like I'm just, uh. It's not street smarts. It's not, you know, the ability to judge uh, character. Well, I had a, a, a long, long time ago someone was t- talking about, I don't trust that man. I said, why not? He goes, I just don't. Something about him ain't right. I said, okay. And he goes, man, I'm from the streets, man. I know people. Okay, it's not that. <laughs> you know, just because you're from the streets don't mean you get the gift of discernment. You know, you might be wrong a lot. You might be wrong about yourself. <laughs> you know, anyway, <laughs> he said, I'm from the streets, man. I know. I, okay, okay. <laughs> you need to get a job, man. You stop messing around talking about, I know. I know those people. You don't know nobody, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why is that so funny? All right. All right. Okay, so let's look at it in action. Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Paul the Apostle is going through the city of uh, Ephesus. Amazing things are happening. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what's happening in Ephesus. It says in verse 16, it happened as they were going to the place of prayer. A slave girl having a spirit of divination met them. So, so the word of the Lord tells us she's demon-possessed. She has the ability to tell. She's, she's, she's a medium. She has the ability to tell people uh, fortunes. And, and tell them their future because she can tell them their past because demons are telling her what happened in someone's life. Ooh, that's scary. And listen to this. They're going to the place of prayer. A slave girl with a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Verse 17, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God. And they're proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days. And then it says, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very moment. Woo. Oh, oh, oh. wow. Chicken skin. Wow. Okay. She's saying all the right things. And it goes on for many days. You get the idea that Paul the Apostle is, you know, he's, he's patient. He didn't like right away. So, so he's, he's discerning. And, you know, these men are mighty men of God proclaiming to you the way of salvation. They're mighty men of God proclaiming to you the way of salvation. You get the idea. She's going before them and leading the way as a procession. And after a few days, <clears throat> Paul the Apostle's like, you know what? That's enough of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And the demon comes out. Whoo. Wow. That's discerning of spirits. That's discerning of spirits. Um, so we'll go on in the next couple of weeks. Next week is the um, we fast and pray. Every first Wednesday of the week, I want to encourage you to do that as the Spirit of the Lord leads you, and then come and pray with us. There's no agenda. There's no guest prayer person going to be here. Uh, we believe the Holy Spirit will be here, 
And um, it's important that we gather together and pray. And fasting is a spiritual discipline that uh, is a powerful thing to do. Let God lead you in that, and we'll meet next week. Now, so let me ask you some some questions. Um, If you already know what your spiritual gifts are, you already know what they are, how are you intentionally growing in them? And that was not a question I want you to answer, but it's a question I want you to think about. If you already know what your spiritual gifts are, how are you intentionally growing in them? Okay? Let me give you some examples. One way that you intentionally grow in your gift is you get around other people who have the same gift. You get around other people. See, see, see if you're an evangelist, uh, you, you hang out with other evangelists. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try my best to get to a missions conference um, at Calvary Chapel Lone Mountain fr- Friday night, Saturday. I will only make bits and pieces, but I want to get around Danny Lehman. Why? Because he's an evangelist. And Danny Lehman, you know, is the type of dude to go down to the strip and start telling people about Jesus. I'm going to get around that guy. You know, I want to I want to hear what he's talking about and, you know, who, read books by people. Who you, who you respect, who have that gift. You know, read books. Uh, yeah, obviously, do character studies in the Word of God and learn about the gift, but, but, but read books by people who, who, uh, who have that gift. You have a ministry in a particular area. You have something that, that, that God's gifted you in. Uh, use, find other people who have that and learn from them. Find someone who's, who's got that gift and who's older in Christ than you are, and get around them. Get around them. Find out someone who, who really moves in that gift, and you say, hey, will you mentor me? And if you start asking God to bring that person in your life, because maybe they don't exist in your world, he'll bring them. And you'll be like, whoa, wow. You know, my wife has the ability, God speaks to her through dreams, powerfully, powerfully. She has a, a, a dream book this thick. And she'd be like, remember last year I had that dream? I'm like, oh, I don't remember that particular one. No, you don't remember. And she goes in this vivid detail, and there's someone says something, and it completely relates to what she said. And, I mean, people have been, people have been set free from her dreams where, where God in a dream gave her a word of knowledge about someone. In a dream gave her a word. And she went and, was, and went and talked to that person and said, God showed me this about you. And they knew exactly what she was talking about. So she did this whole she did this whole study of this person who operates in the prophetic and operates in dreams and, and she's wants she wants to learn more about it. <clears throat> Not to try to copy someone else, but to just hear a different perspective and learn and grow. Right? Okay. And then step out in faith. Step out in faith. You know? Because guess what? We're not gonna we're not gonna be perfect in our gifts. We're not gonna be perfect. You have the gift of evangelism? Challenge yourself. Step out in faith. Francis Chan, you know, the great Christian author and pastor and speaker and, and, and said, man, I used to, when I lived in L.A., he goes, I used to go to downtown L.A. And I'd just go down Skid Row and i just start witnessing to people. He goes, I would purposely put myself in crazy situations where God would have to show up. I'm like, dang, man, you know what, I want to hang around a guy like that. You know, like, okay, I'll go with you, man. No, are you crazy? Oh, Lord, you need to show up right now. Lord, I'm about to take one for you if you don't, you know. But guess what? Build your faith. 
right? Take a step. Take a step in those areas. You have word of knowledge about someone, and you feel like it's the Lord because you wouldn't normally. One thing about these gifts, you wouldn't normally think these things or dream. These things just drop into your spirit, and you go, where'd that come from? Because, you, you know, like that must be God because there's no way I would think that. Step out and say, hey, you know, God, show me something about you. Can I share it? And you know, and if you're not spot on, that don't make you a false prophet. <laughs> that don't make you a, oh, heresy, get out of here, false prophet, wrong again. Someone says, I have a word of knowledge for you. And you go, what is it? And afterwards you go, that makes no sense at all. Okay, sorry. <laughs> because you're discerning, you ain't going to get freaked out by that. Right? Malcolm Smith, one of, one of the great teachers of the Word of God, one of my favorite guys, <clears throat> was in England, that, the Malcolm Smith from England. And he's a young man. And someone came up to him and said, you're going to be speaking the Word of God to a stadium full of people. Thus saith the Lord, blah. And he's like, that's awesome. Okay. What did he do? Nothing. He just kept doing what God called him to do. Kept doing what God called him to do. And then one day, he's in Wembley Stadium, and he's preaching the gospel, and someone says, this message is going all over the world by cassette tape. I know it was a long time ago. And he had forgotten about what that man said. And as soon as he said that, he remembered, you're going to be preaching the gospel throughout the whole world. Right? Cool. If it's the Lord, it'll come to pass. If not, it must not have been God. Okay? Step out in faith. Um, let me close by saying this. Hebrews 11.6 says this. If you don't think you have a spiritual gift, are you a Christian? You do. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligent, earnestly, diligently seek him. Romans 14.23 says, Whatsoever is not a faith of sin, any service must be based in our faith. Our faith in God. How do we receive these spiritual gifts? Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. If you don't have faith, you can't get it. Faith comes. What are the conditions? By hearing the word. You're born again. You're, rene- you're, you're, you're regenerated. You've been baptized into the body of Christ, brought into fellowship through God. Um, your sins have been forgiven. You're righteous. You're filled. You're, 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 uh, you, you, you are called, seated with Christ in heavenly, in, in heavenly places. And so, okay, it says in John twenty twenty three when he showed Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me. I also send you. Then he said, this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> receive the Holy Spirit. So, Luke 29, 49, 24, 49, and behold, I'm sending you forth. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the world. The coming of the Holy Spirit, the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the gifts through the Holy Spirit. Okay? 
Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came not just in, but upon the believers. You have a gift. Ask God. Search it out. Let's pray. Do you have a comment, sir? Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, and, and then he breathed on them. And when Jesus says, receive something and breathe on you, something happens. I believe that's when the disciples were born again. I believe that's when they received the Spirit in them. And then Acts chapter 2, there's a different word that's used. They receive the Holy Spirit upon them. Because he said, wait until you receive it. Well, we've already received it. You breathed on us. No, you received the Spirit in you. Now you receive the Holy Spirit upon you. That's what I believe. Different word. Different word. Okay? So, <clears throat> let's all stand. All right? And um, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you for tonight, and thank you for your word. Help us to move in the supernatural because... Because of relationship with you, our life should not be natural, but supernatural. And Holy Spirit, without you, we have no power. You're the, you're the source of the power. You give gifts to glorify God through Jesus. We receive what you have for us tonight in Jesus' name. Before we go tonight, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you've never received that power from on high, maybe you're born again, maybe you've received Christ, but you just say, man, I just need, I want to receive that power from on high. Would you lift up your hand? We just want to be able to pray. Anybody at all who's just never received the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anybody at all? We want to pray for you before we go. No? Okay. All right. All right. God, move through us by your spirit. For your great name's sake, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.